You're listening to the highlights from the Creative Process Interview with Patrick Miller. This podcast is supported by the Jan Mishavsky Foundation. Well, I started studying art when I was 18 years old at the Honolulu Academy of Arts in Hawaii. As a young artist, I didn't have much interior dialogue because I was so young and nothing had happened to me. But the one thing that I was uh, doing was drawing the world around me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I, after, I graduated, after I graduated from the Honolulu Academy of Arts, I traveled to, I spent a year in Asia. Mm-hmm. And I drew and painted the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that created a, a way of me making art, of tr- like travelogue art, that I still do today. Mm-hmm. But when I work in my studio, I work more from, I, I pull things from my, experience, my experiences. And so that's a different, that's the yin and yang of what I do. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. When I, I have a farm in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. I've had it for 23 years, I've painted everybody. The grandmothers, the children, the horses, the dogs, the pigs, sometimes all together, everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I come back to my studio or when I travel around, the, when I make trips mm-hmm. elsewhere, I, I paint. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what about you in terms of finishing? You have a clear... I mean, is how planned is it, your painting? I work stream of consciousness, except yeah. for when I'm doing the plein air paintings. All right. And then I have the subject in front of me. Yeah. But when I'm working... I, I, I've been doing this... I'm 66 now. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this every day for many years, so I have a whole filing cabinet of different images. Mm-hmm. It could be the donkey. Mm-hmm. It could be the birds and the fish all feeding. It could be uh, my dogs. I paint dogs a lot. It could be a landscape that I invent. Or these two guys who are at dealing with the scales, the weight, the weight and scales. So I, go, I, have, that, I have that dialogue. I, I just start and something will trigger a memory of something that sort of that I've done before, the history of what I have, mm-hmm. uh, of images in my mind. Mm-hmm. And, and so then I'll go down that road. As far as finishing a work goes, I, I can give you a very clear answer. I know, I know when it's finished, when it stops bothering me. Mm-hmm. I'll come in the studio every day, and if it bothers me, it's like, I work on it. Mm-hmm. If I come in the studio and it doesn't bother me, and over a period of weeks or so, then I think it's pretty done. Right, well, in Hawaii they have a word, uh, hamakua, mm-hmm. and that is like your spirit animal. And mm-hmm. I'd like to think that it's a dolphin, or uh, I would like to think it's a dolphin, but I think my hamakua is actually a mule. Yes, a donkey. Here, yeah, yes. I've, they've, been, they've been in my paintings my whole life, and mm-hmm. I can't tell you why. And then other aspects of, of my internal source of imagery is from what I've read. Mm-hmm. And it often has to, do with, right. has to do with the ocean. I'm a surfer and a diver and a sailor. So I spend a lot of time on the ocean. And for instance, imagine sitting on your surfboard and all of a sudden, 20 feet from you, a large manta ray leaves the water, flies out of the water like a flying saucer and flies 10 feet through the air and 400 pounds of manta ray lands in the water. These things as an artist are are etched into my memory. And so it's, and then, of course, it's the psychic landscape of just life, of, you know, like I went through a period where I, I had great loss. I, my, my parents, my brother, everybody in my family has passed away, so I had to deal with sadness. 
and that was the first time in my life that I had to deal with that because I was so young and then I wasn't so young. And I went through that period where I experienced loss. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh, painting is good for this too. So it's, the painting changes as you change. Well, you know, the, the, last, the last gift that you get from, from someone, now I was just talking about a family member, yeah. is the sadness of their passing. Mm -hmm. And that is, in a weird way, to an artist, a gift. Because artwork comes from deep emotion. Or what is it? I didn't know that until I was 32 years old. I was a late bloomer. I was a very skilled draftsperson, and I had traveled the world, and I had drawn many, many different vistas in the Himalayas and India and Iran and the Middle East, <coughs> but I hadn't gone into those depths, mm -hmm. emotional depths. And life, of course, sooner or later, life, I'm sure it's happened to you. Mm -hmm. You, there, you experience familial loss and love loss. Mm -hmm. And I've been lucky with marriage. I've been with my wife for 31 years. Mm -hmm. And we have two fine boys. But I, it, does, it didn't make me immune to loss. Because right. my, my, both my parents and my brother have passed away. And friends, good friends. Yes. Like I said before at the beginning of this interview, you find out that art is really good for whatever's inside comes out. <clears throat> and if you don't have a way out, that's not good. That's like never changing your clothes. You, you need to have the air go from the inside to the outside. Mm. Otherwise, it becomes dead air. Right. No, I, I, I like that you have a wonderful way with uh, metaphors. And I've now forgotten the question I want to ask. But it, it, yeah, it's beautiful. The sense of loss is a gift to an artist. And, and it can be t not just to artists. It, it it can teach us things about pausing, reflecting, remembering, remembering history. That's another thing I see in your work. There is a strong sense of history and respect for cultures. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I <coughs> often joke <coughs> that being an American, <coughs> being an American born in the, in 1953, my culture. When you think about the cultures of the world, how rich and beautiful they are. Mm -hmm. My culture was. You, know, you might even know what this is. TV trade dinners and Leave it to Beaver episodes. No, I know what that is. It's, it's translated the world over. <laughs> well, TV trade dinners are... Have you ever seen one? I have seen one, yeah. But yeah. I, yeah, I think so. They had special... I've seen them. They're like a little tin. You and put, there's a tray you get. You've got special tables. Well, the, the, the house... Homes would have TV trays. Yes. And you'd sit there and the, and the uh, meal would be something you put in the oven for just like half an hour. Yeah. And it would be like chicken legs or it would be uh, beef stroganoff and applesauce, mm -hmm. you know, some peas, sometimes lima beans, which I hated. Mm -hmm. And then you would watch TV. I loved, as a kid, TV tray dinners. Mm -hmm. I thought it was gourmet food. Uh, it was, and why, were your parents such bad cooks? No. <laughs> no, but <clears throat> they, they would sometimes be going to a party and they'd say, here kids, and they'd, yeah. you know, uh, it was convenience. Yeah, but this is kind of strange because it's a little palette as well. Yeah. So they're kind of arranged. Yeah, way. it was yeah. almost like uh, getting a meal on an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking back and I, th I think, those chicken legs were awful small. They must have raised really small chickens. Oh. Because they would be tiny little chicken legs. 
I never want to think about the process <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and Leave it to Beaver, Leave it to Beaver episodes was a TV show. Yes. And um, so what I'm, I'm joking, but it's not such a joke, is that the culture I grew up in wasn't it wasn't even a culture. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, when I was a young man, <clears throat> I used to be I used to I was a I was a, an assistant to a dynamite specialist. Oh, okay. I love that job. You now, like blowing things up. I love blowing things up. It was mm-hmm. just fabulous. It was in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I was 18 years old. He hired me because he blew off half his leg. Mm-hmm. It's oh. not a very good advertisement. And I learned that TNT sweats nitroglycerin when it gets hot. Oh, okay. And I was driving around Hawaii with truckloads of dynamite in the heat. Oh, yeah. wow. So, but I, I was a young man working with grown men. And we were all working hard. And it was a lot of fun, and and uh, you know it's just it was it's just a great thing for uh, these jobs are are inform a person right. in a way that if I had just been an artist, I I never would have I never I wouldn't be this artist. Well, sometimes it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, I was a vegetarian for eight years because I read mm-hmm. one book, yes. Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, all about the Chicago oh. slaughterhouses. Right. Yeah. And um, uh, I stopped becoming I stopped being a, a, a vegetarian when we moved back to Hawaii and lived on Molokai. I was teaching at the at the Kalapapa leprosy colony. We had no money, and I was spear fishing not for sport but to get food for my family. Oh. And it was a beautiful time of our lives. Mm-hmm. We were so poor. I mean, <laughs> we, we weren't poor because we were just. Poor is a state of mind. Yeah. We were without money, but we were having so much fun. And we always, could, we, it's different. If we had to, we could have borrowed money from our parents or, uh, yeah. you know. From, anyways, but it was like a time when we had to really struggle. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think, my wife and I think back to this a wonderful time. It was mm-hmm. when our first son was born. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, like I said, I'd go, I'd go spearfishing, mm-hmm. uh, not for sport, but for food. Yeah. And uh, I'd be part of the food chain. That sure. I, I, I paint the food chain. Yes. You know? See, that's a food chain painting there. One time I left the driveway, we, we were living in Changu, and we surf. So every day I'd go and check the surf. And I, the house was about an eighth of a mile, very close to the beach. But I got on a bicycle for the quick five minute ride down. And I leave my gang, called a gang, it's like a little access to the house. And there's a pig on fire. A big pig. And then 50 feet more, there's another pig on fire. A living pig. No, no, a dead pig, but on fire. Okay. And then there's another pig on fire. All the way to the beach were pigs on fire. (laughs) This is surreal. (laughs) Yeah, it is surreal. Well, I didn't... the third pig and turn left. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't didn't know. I figured out it was preparation for a ceremony. Mm. And sure enough, the way they get the hair off the pig is by burning it. Okay. But it was funny because I remember that nobody standing by the pigs like all the pigs were on fire seemingly on their own yeah and then like they had set the pigs on fire and went and went to feed the chickens or something um and i love stuff like that we hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights to listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews click on subscribe thank you for listening